Heavenly Father, we come to you in Jesus' name, thanking you for your promise that where two or three are gathered in your name that you will be there. We pray now that your Holy Spirit would come and enliven our minds and open our hearts to your Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay. Ryan gave me an assignment a few weeks ago with plenty of time to prepare and uh, deliver you a very good message on Joel chapter 3. The last seven or eight verses. And um, I hope he's not going to be completely disappointed. So what I... What I'm going to do is to try to relate to you what I think the theme of this is and, and kind of how I relate to it and as a, a member of the body of Christ and grafted into the, the nation of Israel's, that he, his family before us. And this appears to me to be primarily written about them and to them. And uh, you get into some really nice, juicy concepts about the great, notable day of the Lord. And then if you read enough, you'll find out that there's these things called uh, the millennial reign and all these great things that are going to happen. And you also discover there's a lot of confusion around that about what it, what it means. You've got the amillennialist and the premillennialist. And um, I was so confused that I became a panmillennialist. Uh, believing that it's all going to pan out in the end. And, um, but so I want to talk a little bit about the end because, you know, we can live with a lot of things, a lot of problems, a lot of struggles. But there's one thing that we can't live without, and that's hope. When you lose your hope, you're gone. And Israel... Uh, from the, I remember Ryan's wonderful sermon uh, a week ago when he was talking about how Moses had the children stand on both the mountains and they talked about what's going to happen if you obey God and what's going to happen if you don't obey him and the blessings and the curses. And we have the benefit of reading in our scriptures of all the history of this wonderful nation that God chose to use to manifest himself to the world with. And we see mostly mistakes. Uh, They seem to make error after error, and he has to deal with them severely. And we have the benefit of looking back now, 2,000 years after Jesus, and some uh, 3,000 years or so uh, past him, at least 1,500 or so. And we can see how God has uh, worked with this nation of his. And we can see the sorrow that they've had to go through. Uh, Some of it just in the last century that we were aware of in uh, the concentration camps in Germany when over six million Jews uh, were put to death. And so this this, uh, portion of this book of Joel, I think, is about the hope that God is giving them through the prophet, uh, that there's an end to that. And that he is going to come and he's going to stand with them and he's going to stand with them against their enemies and he's going to subdue their enemies and he's going to restore uh, everything to them that has been taken away from them. And so as I 
try to relate that to us, what it made me think of was heaven. And so I kind of wanted to uh, talk with you a few minutes this morning about heaven. Um, John, the Apostle John, in uh, the 21st chapter of Revelation, writes a little bit about what's going on up there, what he sees. He sees this vision. And now this is the same John, remember, that um, told us in in his epistle. He says, um, that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, and which our hands have touched concerning the word of life. He says, the life was made manifest, and we have seen it, and we testify to you it, and we proclaim to you the eternal life which was with the Father and was made manifest to us. That which we have seen and heard declare we unto you. So now it's the same John that's writing us to us now, telling about what he's seen. Uh, God let John see a lot. And so he, he tells us that, hey, I saw Jesus. I saw him with my own eyes. I touched him with my hands. You can believe, you can believe on him. I was there. I know it's real. And I know he's real. And so now he's, he's giving us another, um, um, something else that he's seen uh, in, in the book of Revelation. He says, then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. So let's just stop there a minute and think about a little bit what that John's saying. Um, The great consummation of all of history is when Jesus finally is going to put all of his enemies down and he's coming to get us and somewhere we're going to be. Some people talk about heaven in the out, up in the, somewhere out there in space. Other theologians said, no, heaven's a new earth. He's going to recreate the earth. I'm not exactly sure, but the great thing is that we're going to be with him. That's, that's what's going to make it heaven, uh, that we're going to be with him. And so he's, and, and John also tells us uh, when we read in, in, the, in the gospel of John, he says, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. He says, in my Father's house are many mansions or many rooms. And if it weren't so, I I wouldn't tell you that. And he says, um, Jesus said, I'm going to prepare a place for you so that where I am, there you may be also. Again, over and over, you find with God. We're with God. That's heaven, being with God. And uh, so he's going to take away all of the distractions But notice he says, um, uh, he sees the new heaven and the new earth, and he says, this new city, the new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven uh, as a bride prepared for her husband. You know, as clergy people, we get the privilege of doing uh, weddings from time to time. And so you meet with the, the future bride and groom and have premarital counseling, and you talk through all kinds of things. And um, 
But one thing you discover right away is that no bride is casual about this. Uh, it's not just a day that's going to come sooner or later and, hey, we're going to go over to the church and we're going to be married. No, every detail of this day is planned out with the most uh, careful consideration about everything. I mean, it is prepared. And um, uh, so what, when, when uh, the Scripture tells us that the place that God's preparing for us it's kind of like what's happening when a bride is getting ready for her wedding. You know that it's very thorough, that he's, he's prepared this great, wonderful place for us. And one thing I've noticed that Judy does when our daughter's coming or our grandchildren, she knows exactly what they like to eat. She knows exactly what they like to do. So for three weeks before come, they come to see us, uh, there's this intense preparation going on to make sure that each one of them has exactly what they like, that they, uh, my, one of my granddaughters loves tomato gravy. Judy makes incredible tomato gravy. And so, but, so she's preparing all this weeks, weeks in advance, getting it ready. And so what I would want to suggest to you is that for each one of us, God is preparing this place for us to be with him for eternity. And you're not just one of uh, a number of people. You're special to God. You know, he tells us, he says, even the very hairs of your head are numbered. So it it just is mind boggling to try to figure out how God can know all that about so many people. Uh, It's easier for some of us than others. He doesn't have to keep up with us too much. We're losing it. But he is very involved in, in, our, in who we are as people. And um, so he's, he's preparing this great place. And if you read about the dimensions of heaven, I think it's about 1,500 square miles square, and then it goes up 1,500 square miles. Um, and if you, if you figured out that there would be, let's just say you could get 20, mil, 20 billion people to go to heaven, which won't happen, uh, at least not at the rate we're going. But if you had 20 billion people to inhabit this place that he's preparing, each person would have 75 acres. So God is actually preparing this incredible place. And then there would still be room for like parks and other things, you know, uh, if you wanted to get together with somebody else. But so anyway, the, the great news today that I see out of this passage from Joel is that he's, he's telling us, hey, I've got your ending, and it's going to be a great ending. Um, it's worth living your life and waiting for. That he's, he goes on to say that he's going to, um, he says there will be no more sea. And that, I think, is a really nice clue. The sea in, the, in Jewish literature uh, has the connotation of chaos and evil and bad things that happen. Bad things come out of the sea. Uh, Somebody says, that there's going to be no more sea. And then I think we can reason for that. He goes on to say, there, there'll be no more tears. There'll be no more suffering. There'll be no more pain. And even though we meet Christ and we are born again and walk in newness of life, 
Sometimes scars and things that we have from our past life, they hang around for a lifetime sometimes. And uh, we have to learn how to negotiate and navigate our way through life, sometimes dealing with, with some of these things in our lives. But when, when heaven comes, all those things are gone. They will be no more. Everything is going to be made completely new. And, and then it's going to last forever and forever and forever and forever. So I think that that's uh, a reason for hope. Whatever situation or circumstance that you may find yourself in on this day in March, which, by the way, is my birthday, hallelujah, I made it to 73. Um, I feel like I'm 25. But uh, anyway, uh, God has, has something prepared for us that's, the way Paul talks about it, he says that uh, eye has not seen, ear has not heard, neither has it entered into the heart of man the things that God has prepared for those who love him. So I hope that wherever you are today, whether you may be in a time of great blessing or you may be in a time of great struggle, but what, whatever the time, one thing that you can know and rest assured is that God has your future. And it's a great and glorious future beyond anything that anybody could ever imagine or explain. And so that's a really good reason to rejoice and, and to think on that and uh, let, your, let your heart be, be centered on the fact that he has a place for you. And it's for you. It's not just for the mankind. He's got a place for you. He's actually thought about, like Judy thinks about the grandkids and what they like and what they need. That's how I believe he's preparing this place for all of us. Amen.